0: Hello and welcome to Hands-On Techie Talks, where we talk about all things creation and innovation for kids like you. We are two girls who are current students and future engineers who love using technology to solve the problems that we see around us. My name is Danielle Boyer, and I'm a young Indigenous educator, author, and robot maker.
1: And I'm Vinia Gunnishaker, a 13-year-old changemaker who loves robots, helping my community, and protecting our environment. This podcast is sponsored by the Steam Connection, where we make accessible, affordable, and diverse science, technology, engineering, art, and math educational resources for kids and build up future Steam superheroes. You can learn more and start making your own robots now at www.steamconnection.org.
0: So we just finished a month-long plastic series, and that was such a great experience. I love talking about um, topics more in depth and being able to really delve into environmental subjects. Today, we're going to actually be taking a brief break from that, and we're going to have a fun engineering chat with our friends, and I'm really excited about it. And uh, we've heard from one of the guests before, but one of the guests is new.
2: Hey, I'm Rob. I'm that engineer who's been here before. I'm the guy who posts a CAD model every single day, and it's good to be back.
0: Well, I am so excited to have you today, Rob. So Rob, you've actually been on the podcast the most. And for those of you who are new, uh, Rob does a project called CAD Model of the Day, where he makes a CAD model every single day. And CAD stands for Computer Aided Design. So he does 3D modeling, and he makes everything from like snake animations, to stingrays, to little robots, to the craziest cool things, especially on like Instagram. And we also have a really special guest today, someone
3: who's new. Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm a fourth year electrical engineering student at the University of Washington in Seattle. I love playing with robots and bringing the fun to engineering. Well, I'm
0: so excited to have you today, Michelle. Um, so I actually met Michelle, I think about a year ago now, which is insane. I feel like I've known her for ages. Uh, we actually met through a guest that we've had on the podcast before. His name is Vrun Sridhar. And he is a microbiologist and we had him on the podcast to talk about things like fossil fuels. And it was really interesting hearing his perspective on the environment and I just thought it was really unique. But uh, she goes to the same school that Varun does, the University of Washington, Seattle.
3: Yeah, so at school I concentrate in something called embedded systems, which is basically I take the hardware part of robots and the software part of robots and I put them together to make a full on robot. Because usually at school, it's been like hardware, software, and then I made like this Frogger game with like a board. Yeah, so electrical engineering is a really broad field, but as an electrical engineering student, I've chosen the path of being more in the hardware, software interface. So I take the hardware part of robots and the hardware and the software part of robots and put them together and make a full-on robot. Um, some other things that I've been involved in is that I took a class that was really cool that was about image processing. So I was able to manipulate images and see how they could change with different effects.
1: So Rob and Michelle, obviously you guys are really uh, well-versed in the engineering field. So what would you say your favorite part of engineering is?
2: That's a really tough question because, um, you know, I fell in love with engineering back when I was in high school and, you know, and I've just been into it ever since. But it's really that uh, problem solving aspect and just really taking your designs and really fitting it to a cause.
3: My favorite part of engineering would be bringing creativity and my outside passions into engineering. So I know I participated in the summer camp in high school where um, it was a steam camp and i think one of the programs was robotics so we made a steam robot and i got to bring my passion for disney and music and art into the robot and i made the robot respond to different levels of ambient lighting in the room
1: i've actually gone to steam summer camps as well and a big part of steam summer camps is actually creativity um, not just robots so Um, This summer, if you find yourself getting bored, I would encourage you to sign up for a STEAM summer camp. They're actually really fun, and even if you don't like robots as much, there's lots of arts and crafts there.
0: And I think what a really great part about everything being virtual is, a lot of summer camps now are actually provided for free. So if you have access to the internet and you have access to things like Zoom or uh, Microsoft Teams or something like that, you're able to access really cool summer camps that you might not be able to otherwise. And as Vinny has said, creativity is a huge element of these summer camps. So if there's an opportunity for you to take some really cool free summer courses, definitely look into it. I'm sure even if you Google free STEM or STEAM summer courses, you'll find some really cool things for kids of all ages.
1: Yeah, and not only do you get to learn about super cool STEAM subjects, you also get to make a lot of new friends. I have made a lot of friends at STEAM summer camps that I am still in contact with today, and they are amazing people. So, yeah.
2: I don't really have a summer camp experience, but you know, one of the best experiences when I was younger was honestly joining my robotics team, and it—it's it, crazy to think that I almost missed it entirely. Uh, I mean, I'll keep the story, you know, brief, but. I tried to join my robotics team when I was in seventh grade, when I was like 12 or 13 years old, kind of got bullied out of it and just kind of forgot about it the rest of my high school career. Then senior year rolls around and my one friend is saying, you know, you got to join the robotics team. You know, today, this year is a tough year. We need all hands. But and then I said, but I I haven't done anything in my past my past uh, career. It's like, no, go anyway. And then I went there and then I was. Uh, met with a very warm, friendly reception, and I ended up designing some cool aspects of our robot. And when I saw that work in competition, that that I think that was really the spark that you know lit my fire when it comes to like engineering. So that's like my experience from when I was younger.
0: And I think that's so cool because um, as Vinia and Michelle and I have talked about personally and even on uh, panels and stuff together... There is a lot of sexism and a lot of pushback for especially girls in STEAM and on robotics teams and in engineering. I know Vinia has had an experience before where she's felt really ostracized by guys on other robotics teams. I definitely felt that way. I used to be on a robotics team and I was basically pushed off by the guys because they didn't want me there. And that was really, really difficult. And I think your experience is something that a lot of boys can resonate with and a lot of girls can resonate with, because in engineering, sometimes you feel that sense of that you don't belong and it can be really discouraging. But I think we're all living examples of pushing forward, even when people don't want you there, even when people are telling you that you can't do something, that you can do it. Other people's words is not a representation of what you can and can't do. And I think that's a really important message to walk away with, because sometimes when you hear those negative things, it can really, really get to you.
1: Yeah. And um, I just wanted to say that Rob's experience of being bullied out of his team and then restarting his love for robotics in um, in his senior year is just um, a way of showing that it's never too early or never too late to start robotics. There's always a way if there's a
3: will. So. I totally agree. Well, my robotics team was pretty welcoming to girls in general, but I do resonate with like the pushback um, in college and my labs and everything where sometimes my, well most of the time, actually all the time, all my lab partners would be all guys. If I shared my ideas, sometimes it would seem like I never said anything and they would come up with the same idea like 10 minutes later And everyone would be like, oh, that's such a good idea. We should totally do that.
0: Yeah. And like Michelle, I've also had my ideas taken from me. And that's the absolute worst feeling in the entire world because you work so, so hard to be appreciated and to have your ideas heard and seen and to have people take that from you is it just feels so bad. I remember I came up with an after school tutoring program and I put in the work every single day to make it happen and after the program ended people who didn't even show up to volunteer for my program said that they started it and they put it on their resume and that was such a bad feeling and that all the guys in the program took my idea because i had worked so so hard and because they had told me that they didn't like my idea and so for them to take it take my idea afterward was just so horrible. It was kind of like, you've got to be kidding me. And they secretly liked my idea, but they didn't even want to tell me that because they didn't like seeing a girl with a good idea.
1: Yeah, a lot of times in history, um, women have had their ideas stolen from them, had their work taken from them. I totally agree.
0: And I want to hop into kind of a different topic, but one that has been uh, on my mind a lot recently, Uh, especially with the pandemic and how hard things have been. I just wanted to delve a little bit into mental health, which can be kind of a hard topic sometimes because there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of taboos about mental health. And sometimes when we hear that someone is having mental health challenges, we assume the worst about them. But that should never, ever be our first thought. Uh, And I think having a chat about it and how we take care of our mental health, like taking care of your mental health is like, you know, exercising to make sure that you're healthy. Uh, Maintaining and taking care of your mental health can look like many different things from making sure you get enough sleep at night to making sure that you talk with friends over, you know, your virtual phone calls if you can't see them in person. So I want to go around and kind of talk with every single person about what you do in your job every single day to make sure that you're ensuring your mental health is at its best.
2: Danielle, I really love this question. What I started doing senior year is to... Basically, protect your time. And you, 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 you uh, Danielle's definitely heard me, heard me say this, like you know, in our conversations together. It's like you know, I, you know, someone wants me to ask me to do this. I tell, I tell them no. I can't do that. It's it's okay to say say no to request. Sometimes you got to take time for yourself. So have a sacred time where you pay attention to yourself. So for me, this this was Friday evening. My Uh, My last class on Friday was at 5 p.m. And 5 p.m. to midnight that night was my time. And that way you can decompress without feeling guilty about it. So Friday night, I boot up a video game and, you know, just relax. Or, you know, when I'm here at home, you know, just take the dogs out and walk them around and pet them and let them know that they're good doggies because they really are.
0: I think those are really great points Rob and that's something that I definitely have to work towards as well as having that personal time to make sure that I'm taking care of myself to maybe just watch some really bad horror movies or something I'm a huge you know horror movie uh, fan so maybe take time to just watch some crazy shows and to relax and I normally watch uh, shows with my best friend like super late at night and that's the thing that we do together to kind of relax just working all the time can be so so stressful. stressful and you need that break and you need that moment. You do not by any means have to earn a break. You can take a break anytime. And that's something that I'm even still having to tell myself now is that you do not need to say, okay, I'm going to work for two hours and then I'm going to take a break. If you need a break, take that break. Obviously that's within reason. You need to do your homework. You need to uh, do what your parents are asking you like, but beyond that, if it's like a club or something and you need that break, take that break.
3: Yeah. So in terms of mental health, I think that, especially during this pandemic, I found that I am a people person. And so when my internship started off completely remote, um, my mental health declined a lot. Um, And Thankfully, after two months, I was able to get into the office. And even though it was work, I was so thankful that I was able to have all the opportunities available at the office, the lab and everything, that I was pretty much enjoying myself every day. And I was looking forward every day to going to the office, even though sometimes, well, five days a week, I'd go to the office in the morning and have class in the afternoon. And even though that was such a grueling schedule, um, I was able to pull through um, Two other things that are more fun, I guess, in terms of like mental health and managing. My happiness would be, I am really passionate about music. And so recently I know Rob and I have been connecting (laughs) about music a lot. Um, We play this video game and there's some really, really cool soundtracks um, that we're both trying to learn on the piano. So that's what we're up to so far.
1: That sounds really
3: cool. What
1: I'm finding out about myself is that I have a lot of alone time. And having that decompressing time or that personal time or alone time is is really healthy for yourself. And um, I found myself having way too much of it. Um, I would find myself uh, wondering where three hours of my time went because I didn't do anything productive in that time. So uh, what I'm doing with myself is that I'm calling my friends um, with every break time that I have during uh, classes so that I can actually have some social interaction. Because uh, because of COVID, I can't even hold a conversation up with a new person anymore. So, uh, yeah, uh, doing that with my friends has really helped me out. It's even been awkward with my friends because I don't know how to talk to them back. And what I'm finding is that robotics is really, really helping because it forces me to talk to someone. So the next time you're in an awkward breakout room in your Zoom class or something, um, take advantage of it. Ask them about their day, ask them about their hobbies and stuff. And it may be really awkward at first, but um, it's actually really fun.
0: I think that is such a great idea. And it's been hard for me, too. I feel like I've lost all ability to talk to anyone. And I realize that I can talk really, really well to adults and really, really well to kids. And then anyone my age, I'm kind of at a total loss. I was just telling Michelle yesterday, I'm like, I'm not cool at all, you know. And I really have to work at kind of talking to people my age and being friendly. Because I have not seen really anyone my age in a really, 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 really long time, right? I mean, same with probably a lot of us. Um, But I wanted to hop into a new topic, one that I'm personally passionate about. And uh, I wanted to talk about our role in society right now and our role as kind of engineers or future engineers and as minorities. All of us here are minorities. We're all from very, very different backgrounds. But uh, online and in person, we get a lot of lashback just for being who we are. And we see probably a lot of advocacy online right now, but these are identities that we have to live with every single day. And uh, even when it's not trendy, we have to exist as ourselves. And that can be really hard because People only advocate for us sometimes, like for example, people only advocate for me during Native American Heritage Month, and it shouldn't be like that at all. So I wanted to talk about our listeners can do to support minorities during this time, especially and every single day. And maybe some things that we've done to help support ourselves. Uh, I know for me, my biggest support would have to be the American Indian Science and Engineering Society, which is a uh, it's basically there's like chapters at universities, at high schools, there's clubs, uh, events. Um, I'm actually keynoting one of the events this week. The support that they give me to be able to be myself and to be able to exist in that space and not having extra expectations just based off of my identities is a really, really special thing because everyone kind of coming in there understands me and understands a lot of, you know, uh, my background and what I believe in, what I stand for. I think that's a really special thing.
2: So for the viewers at home, just so you know, I'm actually of Hispanic heritage. I have Puerto Rican blood flowing through my veins and, um, Thankfully, I haven't had many, uh, interactions, uh, negative interactions pertaining that I've had it before, but, um, I think the most important thing to do is, you know, find a support. You you, you have to find support, be it with a, a group. For me, it was my parents who, you know, informed me of of saying like, there are people that might, uh, think things of you just based on the way you look and kind of prepping me for that. So just having that support to, uh, you know, just to know that you're not alone in these issues, but it's also, um, I've actually had a a couple of experiences too, where, you know, I go somewhere, you know, and have some conversation with someone and they just kind of assume that, you know, I'm, you know, that I'm kind of dumb, which sometimes I am too, <laughs> a little bit, but. Um...
0: You're selling yourself short. We <laughs> all have our moments. We all have our rough moments, but if that doesn't detract from the fact that you're smart. And I think everyone knows it, <laughs> or at least they should. If they look at your Instagram, they will know.
2: Yeah, I, de- I definitely had my, my, my silly moments, but you know, there's been people who have like nefariously, like, you know, imply that I'm stupid, which I don't like very much, but it's always kind of funny then, you know, I can pull out some of the vocabulary <laughs> that, that I know and, 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 and just kind of talk about it. like, Oh, how was your day? And like, Oh, what? like, Oh, I was working on engineering. I, I've been working on this new design for, and then I, and I go on about like how I'm designing this really cool thing or, or, or this currently thing that I am currently work about. And they kind of, you know, go look at it back. It's like, huh, this this guy, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it, it kind of like blew up their expectations. And that was, that's kind of funny to see sometimes.
0: And it, it sucks because you should never have to prove to someone who's making those incorrect assumptions about you and that you're actually smart. You shouldn't have to do that. And it's really disappointing to kind of be put in that position because, you know, you you feel like, Hey, I'm not that, you know, why would they think that that's not true and you kind of feel like you you have to disprove them. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have also felt that too, maybe at school, uh, maybe with friends even. And it, it shouldn't be that way. And that's why, as Rob was talking about, having that support system with people who understand you and understand your background and who appreciate you for you and your culture is really, really important. And it's something that could be hard to find, but with everything being more online lately, there's more opportunities to be able to meet people. And I think that's really important because otherwise it can be really lonely because sometimes people think they mean well, but their actions or their words can be really, really hurtful. And um, sometimes they'll get, even get upset if you tell them that what they said was not kind. And it can just feel really kind of lonesome sometimes because you're wondering like, was I overreacting in that situation? Or, you know, is it me? Is it something wrong with me? But it's not, you're not overreacting. And having that support system will help you kind of realize how you can navigate those situations and how you can better advocate for yourself. Because sometimes you are the only person who will
3: advocate for you. So I'm Asian American. Lots of people Look at Asians and think that we're super smart (laughs) and we know everything about computers. Even though that can be seen as like something positive, it can also be intimidating to have that kind of stereotype put on. Well, at least for me, whether it be people at school or just like people I'm working with, they will expect me to know things that I don't already know and then they'll move too quickly. And if I ask questions, sometimes they'll be like, what? You don't know that? And then they'll kind of bully me out of learning. So there's like a flip side to what's seemingly positive. But I've learned to um, kind of combat that by finding people who are, who look like me and who understand me. So like, I think last week I went to a conference for the Society of Women Engineers And someone speaking there was um, a woman, Asian-American engineer. She's also, I'm a first generation Asian-American and she was also first gen. Yeah, so first gen means that um, I am the first person in my family born in America. Everyone before me has been born overseas. Um, So my parents were born in Indonesia and I think my great, 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 something grandparents were born in somewhere in China. But um, so our cultures have been kind of mixed all together, um, because our family has been born in so many different places.
2: So something that I want to expand upon is, um, you know, Michelle mentioned being first generation, as far as I understand, Vinia is also a first generation, you know, born in the United States. So something that I've, Experience, which you know, still kind of difficult to deal with. Where where you know you you know you look a certain way when you come from a certain ethnic ethnic background. Like I think I look pretty Hispanic, and I think that builds this expectation that I should exude those. You know, uh, basically, why don't I act like a Puerto Rican? You know, for 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 lack of a better term, my Spanish is awful. I can understand most of it, but I'm not even going to demonstrate for you because my Spanish sounds very dumb. I was born in Ohio, that voice in a Hispanic person's body. So it's, I felt like I didn't really fit in growing up because, you know, I would be surrounded by Americans that, you know, I didn't really fit in because of my looks, but you know, my personality and voice, I would fit in better. But, you know, even going back to Puerto Rico, I found that I fit in kind of terrible there too, because now I have the looks, but I don't act like them. So I don't know if um, either of you have experienced anything of that. Like,
1: yeah, um, because I am first gen, um, I've been brought up a certain way because my parents were also born. My parents were born in India, but um, luckily, Troy is a very accepting um, city, and there are lots of people that that are like me. Uh, but I know, I also know that lots of people aren't as lucky as me and, um, all of these are really real struggles. Um, and I have actually gone through some of them, but I didn't notice because it was so normal for me to be treated differently. I didn't notice until, um, like actually right now,
3: something like that. Okay. So going off of that, um, being, in kind of like the midway point of being Asian or like being American, I found that I can actually, although I don't belong to like, I don't connect as as well with like completely international kids who I see at college or like second gen, third gen, fourth gen, Asian Americans that I see at college. Um, I found that as a first gen, I can connect with both sides. So I found really good friends who are international and I found really good friends who have, um, whose families have been in America for many generations.
2: Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And I think I, you know, I eventually found, you know, people, and this is really important. You need to find yourself a good support group, but also good friends. And I'm very fortunate with, you know, having you guys as my friends Who, for, you know, for example, you guys that, you know, see me for who I am.
0: When I do interviews, a question I get asked a lot is, what is your day to day? You know, what does that look like? And uh, I actually talked about this in an Instagram post today because my day to day mostly looks like me sitting at the computer working. I'm writing podcast scripts. I'm making robots on my computer, I'm designing things, I'm coding things. That's what my everyday looks like. I'm usually writing emails too. But I wanna know more of like, what does your day actually look like as an engineer?
2: Okay, so my day-to-day, I basically work two jobs if you think about it. So I actually do have my full-time work I get paid for, basically, let's put it that way. And it's um, something really cool because it's, a very um, generalist. Generalist meaning I do all sorts of things because when you're a mechanical engineer, there's a ton of things you can focus in. Like it's not a, not just a, all about the mechanisms. Like mechanical engineers also design um, refrigeration systems, for example. So when you go to like a Chili's or something and they have like a walk-in freezer, an engineer had to look at the space and say, "We need to make this room cold so we can so we can." serve the food. I don't know why I thought of Chili's as a first restaurant. (laughs) but It's pretty good. I'll I'll give it, I'll give it the, the okay Rob's okay stamp of approval there. Um, But my, my duties as an engineer is really generalist. So um, one of the things I do the most of is make patent drawings. So um, to, for my boss who invented this really cool machine, um, you actually have to declare your invention in order to protect it from other people that, you know, may want to lift your design. So um, you actually have to draw it out for the United States Patent Office. So they know this is the thing you invented and this is how it works. So I do a lot of patent drawings and, you know, I 3D model. And from the models, you can generate drawings pretty easily. So I do a lot of that. And that's like my normal job, right? But then, you know, after I clock out, I start my fun job, I guess, you know, I run my, my YouTube channel, virtual flat CAD, where I am now streaming three times a week. And I basically, um, model my daily model and people in the chat, you know, just, they kind of hang out with me and, you know, tell me what they think while I model. So that's really my, my day to day, just kind of working those two dogs. And sometimes I'll pet the puppies that I have at home and that's always good. That's a treat. Yeah, we got uh, Stella and Jackie.
3: So my day today would be, um, since I'm finishing up my senior year, it's more focused on industry work now. Um, but there it's still a mixture of both industry and academic work. So in the morning from around 9-ish to around 3.30 to 4, I am at the office designing test procedures and doing tests for ultrasound systems. Um, I work at the headquarters for um, Siemens Health and for research and development of ultrasound. Um, And it's really cool because the test processes that I am designing are being used every single day by not just me, but a lot of other engineers in the office, um, which is different than a lot of the projects we do at school where, I mean, we turn in the project and probably don't touch it again <laughs> afterwards. Um, so having this practicality of these projects has been really rewarding. Um, and I like to think of it cause usually at work, I'm and maybe, maybe like five different stations. So if anyone's ever played among us, um, where you walk to the different tasks, and do your tasks. Um, yeah, I every time I'm in the lab, I feel like I'm playing Among Us. And then so after three thirty, after I clock out, um, I drive home um, because of COVID. Got to sanitize everything, but um, sit back at my computer. And sometimes I'll rewatch some lectures um, because sometimes the professors go too quickly during lecture um, and I'll take more notes. And also, I've been I'm, I've been working on my senior project, which is with Alaska Airlines. Um, so I'll meet with my project team and we'll do some coding and design work.
0: I just wanted to thank you all so much for being on the podcast, especially you, Michelle. I know that it's your first time, and I hope that it's not the last. Um, I hope that everyone gathered a lot from your experiences, especially as a student, as an electrical engineer. I think it's super, super awesome. Always a reminder that you can follow along with these episodes at www.steamconnection.org slash hands on. We have new content up, so be sure to check that out. Next week, we'll be starting a new mini series, and we're so excited for you to check that out because we have a lot of different content that we've been working really, really hard on, so stay tuned. I hope this was a really great break for you where you got to learn more about engineering you got to learn more about our personal lives and about what we're interested in and what we do, and we cannot wait to see you next week, so thank you.